A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films, Narcitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 455, the box office report for the week ending February 24th, 2019. Let's go around the table and everybody can introduce themselves. I'm Steve Kelly with Review STL. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And I guess we'll do our shameless plugs then. Uh, Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us tremendously. And you know what I was thinking? What were you thinking? I was thinking that, you know, sometimes people might be afraid to leave reviews (laughs) because it may be daunting. They're not the best writers. They say, I don't know what to say. Um, But, you know, you don't have to write much. If you go on Apple Podcasts (laughs) and rate us five stars, you just say, I love this show, or these guys are oh, great. Take a listen. That's you know? good to know. So if you're scared to review us, just remember, it doesn't have to be a whole paragraph. Well, that that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I so, hope you don't try to steal my idea in the next episode. <laughs> so uh, we actually have a new review. We do. We do. They're already listening to me. Yes, are they, they are. Wow. That's quick. <laughs> that's a dramatic impact you're having. So th- <laughs> this is uh, from Vladilok, oh. I guess is how you say that. All right. Uh, great movie podcast. Uh, this is one of the better movie podcasts out there today. I don't listen to the box office reports, oh. so they'll never hear this. Wah, wah. But love their actual movie coverage. Uh, sometimes they get super in-depth, sometimes not, but they always seem to have fun, and no matter how bad a movie might be, they always try to at least find something positive about it. They don't just hate on everything because the internet likes to troll. Yeah. Uh, we do hate on some things, though. But well, no, I, Tom I, does, but yeah, I do. the rest of us yeah. try to be pretty open-minded. Uh, sure, they can go <laughs> off on random tangents at times, but more often than not, those tangents add something to the discussion, and hey, they'll eventually get back on track. Definitely check this one out if you like to listen to people who know movies discuss the newest releases. So so thank you, and that's an example of a long and very well-written one, yeah. and uh, and we appreciate those. And but we like those. Yeah, we do. Like I'm not bagging on it. I'm just saying, but like some people get a little intimidated, and they don't know what to say, so so they say nothing. So like, feel free to just be like five stars. I love it. That's at least, you know, it gets get some some interaction. There, I mean, so. even if you want to quote your favorite movie, we don't care. Like if you want to rate it five stars and, and then do like a famous movie quote that you love, like if that gets you to write a review, I mean, that's fine. Whatever you want to put in there. Yeah. Also, while we're shamelessly plugging, uh, don't forget our Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers 
where for uh, five bucks you get all sorts of bonus content. So uh, anyway, that's all that. I, I guess we will uh, turn our eyes to the box office. Kevin has his abacus at the ready. Kevin, I do, Tom, and it is one of those weekends uh, that we love to see. Well, when the movie's worth talking about, <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, not to be confused with How to Train Your Dragon Three, which does not exist. Tom. <laughs> it's number one, and uh, it has made sixty point six million dollars opening weekend. And so I like to close the tab of the movie I'm talking about just to create confusion for myself. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the movie had a $129 million budget, and uh, we'll go into it in depth in the next episode, obviously. Which, that's pretty low for a movie like this these days, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of money, but I do feel like, especially for a third movie in a popular trilogy like this, a lot of names, a lot of um, amazing animation and everything. Yeah, it, it seems a little low. And we will talk about in the next episode that there's been a few years in between the second movie and the third film so i think that and with the box office being good but not quite what they hoped for i think they maybe cut back the budget a little bit and uh, took a little bit longer to get made right but i mean maybe someone who works in animation can confirm but since they've already done two of these movies before they probably have a lot of the you know production yeah assets already ready to go so they don't have to spend as much time developing them so maybe it also makes it a little bit cheaper that's true yeah no definitely it's it's for sure possible and uh just to compare it though i mean here we are at the third movie the first movie had a 165 million dollar budget so it's interesting usually as movies come out and they are more successful right you get more budget for the actors and everything now that's not always the right thing that means you have to make more money to pay for it uh and you know take bloomhouse for example i mean they can make sequels and remakes and reboots for nothing and yeah and they make a ton of money and, and my guess is too like that budget's probably cut even more than it might look because a lot of this the voice cast comes back so they you know they had to pay them probably more mm-hmm. to get them back or they were in some sort of multi-picture deal that automatically increased yeah their their pay it's a great point with the, each film yeah like they could have ex- not extremely it's a great looking movie and we'll get into that but they could have cut the production budget outside of voices even more than we see. Right. But the reason that it still is 120 is because you got to pay all those actors. It's right. a big cast. Maybe, right. Maybe TJ Miller get charges <laughs> 49 million a year yeah. <laughs> million per movie. Yeah. So there you go. What a savings. But the first movie, $165 million budget would go on to gross $494 million worldwide. And the second film had a $145 million budget. So another one that took a small drop, uh, but it grossed $621 million. So over a hundred million more on that sequel uh, and that came out back in 2014 so we're at the beginning of 2019 so almost five years i didn't realize it was quite that long yeah of a jump there but anyway so we'll get into that one next episode but as far as openings go the first film had a 43 million dollar opening weekend the second film had a 49 million dollar opening weekend increasing a bit so i mean maybe this is one of those where the wait where you know it was worth the wait and people showed up for it because 60 million i i think it says more about when they released it because if memory serves how to train your dragon 2 came out in the summer didn't it june yeah yeah so you know there's not a lot of competition right now so to get a property of this magnitude like i think in the summer this is a lesser property Mm -hmm. but in february it's that's a huge property for February. Totally. That's a good point. Yeah. And that goes back to them playing with the, the release dates. I mean, with uh, John Wick, the first two movies were February movies, I think totally outside of, of what we were used to. And they did huge. Now, I guess the third one will be a summer movie. 
I think it's it's elevated to that status, but you know, which I think is a mistake. Yeah, which you know it thrives in February, and I know people love the movie, but you're right, there's a lot of competition. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, well, the right time at the right place certainly, and a lot of people showed up for this one, so we'll see what it continues to do. But for right now, again, sixty, a little over sixty million dollars domestic, and uh, over on the foreign side, it's already up to two hundred and sixteen million. So. Already basically doubling its budget overseas. I mean, with the they have to be ecstatic yeah. with those numbers, especially when I feel like it's a movie they weren't sure they even wanted to make. Yeah, I mean, they've they've with the worldwide take, they've already doubled their budget opening weekend. Yeah. So these movies making a lot of money again, around four, five to six hundred million for the other two. I think people are really happy and excited about this one. So I wouldn't be surprised if when the money starts rolling in overseas, if if it could you know match the second one or even exceed it. Uh, but only time will tell. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But definitely happy with these results. Uh, the studio is. Um, if I owned part of it, I would be too, just to be clear. Number two, Alita Battle Angel. That is the movie of last week. So you can go listen to that one of two movies from last week. Yeah. Uh, but it is still staying up there at the top. Uh, it is. Uh, it brought in $11 million, which is a 60% drop. So um, definitely took a, a little bit of a hit, but still making some money. $60 million uh, total. Uh, coincidentally, same as Dragon in opening weekend. It's up to $60 million in the U.S. Uh, but Tom and I talked outside of the show, and it apparently had a huge weekend opening in China uh, and it is on pace to make a lot of money. They're saying when they compare the movie to other films in the genre that have been released, other similar films uh, with these kind of openings, I think it made $50 million, around $50 million on Friday alone in China. Uh, it puts it on pace, they think, for, for the run in China to go between $150 million at the low point to $250 million at the high point in China alone. So we talked about Alita Battle Angel last week and the lackluster box office and how we didn't think there was any way they could make a sequel. I'm still not saying that it's for sure they will, but the movie's not going to take a loss at this rate. So, I mean, with that one country, and I think Japan is opening it as well. So when you're looking at China alone bringing in 150 to 250, that's one country, and there's a lot of other countries that like the big action spectacles over there. So. They Pacific rimmed it. They Pacific Rim Day, yeah. I mean, and I, I do wonder going back to the discussion about her weird eyes. If yeah. like it's if, acceptable, yeah, that, yeah. That like that that helped. Yeah, because I mean, oh, there. If you're in, if you're in the Asian countries, you know, if you're in Japan, if you're in China, and where manga is a is a popular form of reading over there. Yeah. They're used to seeing that style. I mean, that's right. why the movie took it was because the manga had taken the influence from other, you know, it evolved over their animation over the decades over there. And the big eyes are a thing. And so, uh, that is not as big of a deterrent as it is here. And I'm not just guessing like what I mean is there has been this, outcrying of people that are saying i don't want to see alita i'm not going to ever see it like basically it all comes down to those eyes are weird yeah like like they're off-putting enough where people are not giving it a chance which i think is a shame i mean we talked about last week i really enjoyed it i think that it's a really fun action movie it's it's basically a summer blockbuster spectacle as far as like the action goes you know released earlier in the year and uh I think it's a fun movie. I would love to see people go to it, but I, but I get it too, because at the same time, I think we all said that if we didn't have to see it for the podcast, we wouldn't have ran out to see it at the theater. Uh, and the eyes definitely were a deterrent for me where I'm like, I don't know. It's just that uncanny Valley. It's something about it, but giving it a chance, I enjoyed it. So I would say for anyone else that enjoys, uh, whether it be anime or action movies, you know, CGI heavy stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun. So give it a chance. But, uh, that one, uh, let me pull up because 
since I had to scrounge around for my How to Train Your Dragon tab that I closed. Here we go. So that one had a $170 million budget. Uh, and as we know, it's only $60 million in the U.S., but uh, overseas before the final weekend totals, it's already at $100 million. So we're looking at $160, $170 million without the rest of the country's updated. We're talking about just uh, last week and the U.S. totals. So it's already hit its budget. I'm guessing that with China, it will double it alone and then uh, we'll have to see what happens to the rest of the world. So, um, anyway, moving on to number three, the Lego movie Two, the second part. Uh, I, I don't, let me, uh, let me pause real quick and I'll edit this out. There we go. Two zoomed in on the monitor. I'm like, I don't have all my stats. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Lego Movie 2, the second part, uh, is in week five, and it made another $10.2 million, a 51% drop. Uh, we talked about that it had kind of a weak opening, and we were surprised uh, with that, um, and we wondered if it would have legs. I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily setting the world ablaze, but it is in week five with another kids' movie opening, and it still made $10 million. Yeah. So I mean, I think that shows people are slowly still getting out to the theater to see it. Uh, it has made $83.8 million domestic so far. It has made uh, kind of a low number. I, I guess it's not rolled out overseas completely either, but uh, it's made uh, 40 before the weekend. So um, you're getting up to around the $180 million uh, worldwide. So it's making money. I don't have a budget on it, but I mean, I think I think the budget on these things, as we talk about animated features, I mean, I would put it in around the $120, 150000000 million dollars. Does that sound right to you? I thought the Lego movies were a little cheaper than that. Yeah, I think maybe because of the animation, the way they do it on the computer, like they've got their system down, so it maybe doesn't cost as much to animate. Um, And they only got their, I mean... According to Wikipedia, its budget was $99 million. 99, okay, yeah. yeah, So a little lower than most of our big budget uh, animated films. Also, you have to take into consideration for Lego 2... Yes, they get a lot of the voice actors back, but they get them back for a very small amount of time. Right. The story is wrapped in a way to where, yay, the gang's back. We're leaving the gang. Goodbye. Like, so, you know, spoiler alert. I mean, you're going to see them, but uh, Emmett does go off on his own adventure. So go listen to that episode, uh, you know, and go see it if you want to first. But um, we go in depth there. Number four, Fighting With My Family, uh, another movie that opened wide this weekend and a movie that we were legally obligated not to talk about with Joe not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was I, since he was out this week, I actually messaged him on Facebook and I was like, oh, it's a shame you're not going to be there for Fighting With My Family. And he's like, what? His reaction. Yeah. <laughs> his reaction was, and you could tell, like, I mean, maybe I'm just saying it the way I think he's saying it. Maybe he didn't mean it this way. I think he did. But he's like yeah i guess that's fine but i thought you were doing dragon like yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a very it was it was pretty funny but this was all it tom was, and him it was the equivalent of when when your when your wife is like yeah that's fine it was <laughs> yeah. anytime your wife says that's it's, fine it's never it's fine fine yeah no. take it from us who have both been divorced yeah <laughs> we know not so, me though no no we did not divorce you oh wait <laughs> Well, there's still time. You're there's young. Time. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. Dare to dream. You know? then, then Steve Kelly Someday can be the future miss. I can be divorced from Tom O'Keefe and Kevin <laughs> Brackett. The next future miss, Tom O'Keefe. <laughs> Mr. Tom O'Keefe. I don't know how Oh, you... I'd be the miss. Is that it? Well, wow. I might. You well, don't well, have okay. to. I'm not going to speak for there, anyone. Huh? There's no, right, or, there's no yeah. right answer here right? for you. <laughs> so that's interesting. So, okay. Here's the thing. So when a woman is married to a man, she if she takes his last name, right. she is still... She is still referred to as, I mean, you can refer to her as Mrs. Tom O'Keefe. Right. So when a man marries a man and he takes the name, Mr. Tom O'Keefe. But you're like, but that's not Tom and he is a mister. I can see how that could get confusing. I don't think that that form of etiquette 
well, one, I don't think that particular aspect and, and etiquette of like Mrs. Tomoka, I don't think you really see that too much anymore. Yeah. And I think that with gay marriage, I think it's hasn't been around long enough to establish its own gotcha. rules in that regard. And in, in terms of like, because I don't think. I mean, I don't think when gay people get married, they typically take each other's last name. You know, they usually hyphenate them. Do they? Mm-hmm. Is that what they do? I yeah. wasn't sure if they yeah. they just they kept take their own. Each I've seen both ways. Like I, I've yeah. seen I've seen women who've taken their wife's last name before too. So yeah, I, I think I've it's, I it kind of depends on just how they how they feel. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I I just meant I've seen the hyphenation several times. Yeah. You know, so that way it's like because I think that again that makes it less confusing. You know, and it's right. not like, well, who's going to take whose name? Because there's not an established like. Right. I know that it's not everyone does it, but for the most part, sure. it's socially acceptable that the woman takes the man's last name. So when you get into the same sex marriage, then it's like, well, who's going to take whose name? That makes it easy. Just you both take each other's. And well, then, uh, so if 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 a gay couple get married, take each other's last names, do the hyphen thing, then they have kids, and the kids are gay, and they marry somebody. Who also Triple. took the did oh. the hyphen thing? Four names. <laughs> it's gonna be like you take the first name, Steve and I'll take and the second. Steve and James Smith Kelly O'Keefe <laughs> bracket. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's a really that's an interesting question. Something's got to give, man. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, fighting with my family. <laughs> well, not our family here, or not our podcast family, but uh, the Rocks movie. This is the Rocks production production company, Seven Bucks Productions. Uh, he also does make an appearance in the film. It made seven point four million dollars, which uh, yeah, it's only a five thousand two hundred thirty two percent increase. <laughs> well, it's because it was probably on two <laughs> screens. Screen, yeah, yeah. It, it did the limited opening last yeah. week, like on either coast, and so it's just funny to always always see like a five thousand percent increase right. on a film. Wow, they're doing well. But uh, anyway, so that brings us total. Yeah, up from 7.4 this week to a total of $7.615 million. And uh, going over to the box, uh, I don't have a budget on this one. And it looks like it hasn't opened up overseas yet. So it couldn't have been much. It's not, it seems like a small movie. You saw it? I did. What, as a non wrestling fan, what do you think about it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I did not expect to really enjoy it, but. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting it, it was an interesting story and its budget is eleven million dollars. Jeez, yeah, I mean that's nothing. And it was written by Stephen Merchant. Yeah, so that's that's. I mean, I think that definitely lends to the script. It has like a ninety something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really good word of mouth. And I'm thinking, you know, you've got you. I like what they did because they've got the Rock that knows wrestling. Mm-hmm. You have him produce it. You have him give his insight on the inside of the industry. And it, I think because it's is this a WWE movie? Is it? I don't know if it technically. Well, he is must it. have used his muscle because they clearly filmed at some WWE events, oh. and so that, yeah. I'm sure that saved him some production dollars because yeah. they did, they could just piggyback one of their events, yeah. you know. But uh, but no, it was an it was an interesting story, well told. It's very much a a a, a Disney vacation, Disney of vacation. I want not vacation. It's Disneyfied. Disneyfication. Yeah. It sounded like you were going on a Disney vacation. I know. It's, I can I, see you go on them so often. I you're couldn't, like, Disney I couldn't vacation? say it without <laughs> saying a vacation, yeah. right? But uh, um, it's definitely <laughs> like... Crystal's packing her bags right outside yeah, the door. You just as soon it. as you say that. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but it was... Uh, it's definitely kind of a, a cleaned up, streamlined version of this story. And it, it hits all of the inspiring movie it, beats. But it's... It looked like a Disney sports movie. Yeah. You it, know? I mean, one of those inspiring... It's absolutely. The, and now it's a little bit... Because it's wrestling, it's a, it's a little bit... Uh, 
grittier than that, and sure. a little bit more lowbrow than you would expect from a from a Disney sports inspiration. It's the movie. true story of Paige, right. who you know about her story of growing up and becoming a part of the WWE, and eventually she gets injured. Is, well, does it? The movie stops. So if okay. you're thinking about taking your kids, it's it's a fairly family friendly movie. There's one or two lines they come at you pretty quick and with the accents i don't know that a little one would really even catch it but um uh but you know if you let your kids watch wwe then i don't think there's anything in this movie that's going to radically offend your sensibilities okay. um but uh but it's the triumph it doesn't go into the right, downfall it, it stops like basically with her debut so okay. you you don't have to deal with any of the like the sex tape scandal or the drugs or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um I've heard nothing but good things about it. So yeah, I'm glad it's good. Joe will be happy to hear that. Uh the other thing that I'm wondering for people, I mean, you're not a wrestling fan, you really enjoyed it. I mean, do you the first thing that came to my mind was Moneyball. Like you don't have to like baseball to enjoy that story and appreciate right. it. It's not a movie uh, how do you say it? it's not a movie a about baseball it's a movie that has baseball in it right, right? this like, is a movie ab- about her trying to achieve this thing and that happens to be that thing happens to be wrestling but that thing could have been anything it's yeah. the same way that it's like i don't care about people who race 10 speeds but breaking away is a really good movie yeah exactly so cool well that's one to catch i i uh my son my son does like wrestling and the rock and wwe and so he was actually really wanting to see it this weekend so he's nine but also he's watched wrestling so you think it's probably fine i think it's probably fine not that it's a rated r like adult movie but yeah. just sometimes you question you know, do they walk the line at w- at PG yeah. thirteen or do they? You know, yeah, no. I mean, I there's like two lines in the movie that are coming to mind, and, uh, and they just kind of right. Yeah, I think they'll come be, and go. Yeah, cool. So anyway, that one's coming in at number four. We'll see what that continues to do, uh, in and uh, if it has when it has overseas release. Number five, isn't it romantic? Uh, that is the uh, Rebel Wilson movie uh, that uh, we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, Seven million dollars is a fifty one percent drop. $33.2 million domestic for that one, and uh, no money overseas, uh, no budgets. Well, my, my abacus is really failing me. I feel like a, a <laughs> lot of these movies aren't updated, updated but um, that's another one that couldn't have had much of a... I mean, that's maybe a $15, $20 million. Tom's going to look it up, but uh, it's it's a romantic comedy, but that kind of turns romantic comedies on their heads. Um, I enjoyed it. Tom didn't enjoy it as much as me, but um, I wanted to. Yeah, but, it's a clever yeah. concept. Yeah, its so budget it's, is thirty-one million. Thirty-one. Okay, so I mean, you know, it's it's doing well for itself. Uh, I think that it's going to still stick around, uh, you know, s- several more weeks and make some more money. But it's at least thirty-three on the thirty-one in two weeks. Um, but yeah, it's really clever the the concept, the way they turn romantic comedies on their heads. Um, you know, we talk about other movies like that uh, Amy Schumer movie, which is that I feel pretty. Yeah. Uh, there are other movies that do similar things to where the main character thinks they're a certain way or, you know, than they are, uh, you know, even going back to stuff like Shallow Howl. We've seen a lot of that. But this one, it's that it's not that she thinks she's a certain way. It's not about her confidence. It's about everybody else sees her a different way. And she's like, what the hell is going yeah. on? So it's interesting. It's a different turn. And it's also very um, deconstructive of the uh, romantic comedies, you know? So everything that you see in a romantic comedy, they do. And sh- but, but the difference is your main character is there to question it, which yeah. I thought was really clever. So um, it's a really good date movie. I, if you're looking for a date movie, I definitely would recommend it. Um, I will say I saw the trailer for her next movie. Yeah, which is like uh, it looks like it's a a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It is a remake. Is that of Dirty officially? Rotten. Okay. Officially. Um, they, I, even in the trailer, they, they're like no 
dirt, dirty, rotten men here. Yeah, there's a reference in the slug yeah. line, and I didn't know if that was being cute or yeah. if this was officially oh, a remake. Well, if you watch the trailer and it isn't a remake, someone's getting sued. Yeah, like, it's a remake. Well, yeah. But um, I thought it looked really funny. Really? Yeah, I yeah, and, and I like it because it's in this one rebel wilson gets to be rebel wilson like oh, you know right i felt i can't remember if i said this last you week. Did. okay you did. yeah that it and so i i i like the fact that in this storyline she gets to do what she does best gotcha steve do you like romantic comedies it, it really honestly i used to like hate them like without equivocation i just wouldn't refuse to see them but and then you I've found out some... your dates enjoy them and you changed your tune <laughs> i mean i've actually seen a few that were actually like really really well done like um what was the asian one last year oh crazy rich crazy Asians? Asians. <laughs> that is I a delightful really movie that. yeah yeah that was really good it's a really good movie well i, I feel like i got sent to review that as the lone token asian on the uh, writing staff no <laughs> but no it was it was really well done yeah. i've seen other romantic comedies that are, yeah. are pretty good um crazy stupid love being wait one of my did you make him see how how to train your dragon because of because he's Asian in Dragons? Is that what you did? <laughs> now let's go through every movie you've ever reviewed and try to figure out a way to it link, makes it, sense, link it back to making Kevin racist. That's <laughs> well, not. <laughs> but no, it's a del- yeah, absolutely delightful. I mean, that's a great... Uh, you mentioned my two favorite romantic comedies. I think. I mean, Crazy Rich Asians obviously newer, um, but it's it's fresh on top of mind, and I loved that movie. Saw it twice. I showed it to Katie when it came out on digital, and she loved it. Um, yeah, I caught it in theater to review, and she wasn't available, but then you know, we watched it at home, and she really enjoyed it. And then, uh, yeah, Crazy Stupid Love, I think, is the best romantic comedy of the past 10 years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, as long as the rom-com is like, bring something fresh, or yeah. isn't like the cookie-cutter, you know, rom-com from like the 90s that we've all you've seen them once you've seen them yeah. all you know crazy stupid love is funny it's it's really smart it's clever the actors are hilarious yep. they're all really good but it also has that twist yeah so it's not just doing the typical beats of a rom-com where right. it's just like you know boy meets girl boy and girl fall in love get in a fight they fall out of love they make up it's like you have this whole thing going on you know and we won't spoil it because we don't need to but i'm sure you've seen it but it's like they've got this whole thing going on that's like cluing you in the whole time and then boom at the end it blows up and you're just like you don't expect that to happen so and, long story short kevin and i like romantic comedies to start with the word crazy yeah i was gonna say <laughs> crazy rich asians crazy stupid love like crazy do you remember that one i never saw that one that was drew barrymore wasn't it no like crazy is if I, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but the Anton Yelkin one with uh, Felicity Jones, who was in uh, Star Wars Rogue One, look up like crazy and see if it's if it's Anton Yelkin. Yes, and Felicity Jones. Uh, and Felicity Jones. Yes, I like crazy. If you haven't seen it, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times before. I mean, it's up there with Five Hundred Days of Summer. I was thinking of the Drew Barrymore more movie mad love oh okay where she i think she has some sort of mental illness gotcha gotcha but no this like crazy i mean i love anton yelkin it's so sad that he passed it really a a tragic loss because i think anton yelkin was a great actor and would become one of the greatest actors of our generation i I think he's up there with the way that we talk about and i i love joaquin phoenix i think anton yelkin was a true talent this is a, a romantic comedy that, like the ones we mentioned last week, 500 Days of Summer, Away We Go, it takes the romantic comedy, and it's not deconstructive like this comedy is just making fun and poking at things, but I mean, Like Crazy is different in the fact that they it isn't your basic comedy. It's not It has comedy elements, but it's a love story, but it's also not your typical story. I mean, it deals with uh, 
Uh, I think Felicity Jones' character, you know, she is British, so like she's from overseas and she has a student visa or work visa. So they have to deal with, you know, not only the their relationship and working on it like anyone does, but then they're also faced with her having to go back home. And then what does that do to the tension in the relationship? And it's just a really, really good movie. So if you like those other two movies and like the ones that Tom, you've mentioned you really like, check out Like Crazy. And, and it's a great chance to see Anton Yelkin again. So coming in at number six, What Men Want. That's the remake of What Women Want. Uh, did anyone see that? I did not. You did nope. not? Okay. Yeah, I'm not hearing good things about it, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I like Taraji P. Henson. I think she's good. Uh, but I have not heard a lot of good things critically or even that much buzz about it outside. Uh, it made another $4.7 million. That's a 56% drop in week three. It is now up to $44.5 million, though. So good movie to release around Valentine's Day. Uh, 2.8 million overseas. So not much yet going on over there, but it only had a $20 million budget. So, I mean, they made their money back. They're still making money. So I guess they're all right with it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of competition, so, you know, good for them. Number seven, happy death day to you. That's uh, the second film that we talked about last week. Uh, go listen to that podcast. And I would say, watch the movie first, not only for spoiler reasons, but like, you're probably going to be confused to death if you don't watch it. Yeah, first. I, like, I, if you haven't seen the first one, this movie is nonsensical. Yeah. And I also say, but before we talk about it, watch Happy Death Day to you because we're talking about time travel yeah. and weird loops and we're arguing about timelines versus parallel universes and stuff. And like, we don't want you to turn it off. Watch the movie. Check yeah. it out. Then listen to us and see if maybe then what we say will make sense. But uh, they change it up a lot. We, we go in depth on the episode. But if you liked the first movie, I definitely say check this one out. Uh, it's just different, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It isn't in my opinion, but it's not a straight horror film or a horror comedy like the first one. So be prepared. Go into it with an open mind uh, and then listen to the episode. But it made four point six million dollars in its second week. Fifty two percent drop brings it to twenty one point two million dollars um, overseas, though, another twenty point one million dollars. So it's up over forty two million dollars worldwide on a nine million dollar budget. Um, I know I, I follow Jason Bloom on Twitter and he's he tweeted a lot around the release of this movie and very excited about it and a lot of the fans are excited about it and um, you know it's kind of disheartening you don't really see a lot of the Hollywood people actually talk about their disappointment in a movie so you know I kind of felt bad because you know he was really amped up for it and he kept tweeting about how he was disappointed that it didn't do as well and he's but you know he's glad he not anything bad he did not like a jerk but like you know he was sad he said i'm glad people liked it it didn't do as well but you know we move on and we make the next one better blah 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 he seems like a really good guy but just following him it's like you know he was he definitely was affected like he noticed the drop in the box office for this one and so um but which is weird because that first one was so good i i i would have thought it would have had a stronger opening weekend too even though i didn't like it near as much as the first one i don't think the I, I don't think the average film goer one pays that much attention to advanced reviews. And I also think people that like horror movies doubly don't pay attention to reviews because they just anticipate critics not liking a horror movie. And so they really just couldn't care less what a critic might or might not think about a horror movie. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I so yeah, I don't really know what the effect was. I feel like I did see a lot of rev- I did see a lot of reviews and critics and people on Twitter saying the movie's a lot different. But to your point, yeah, I don't know that necessarily the people spending the money would, but right. it seems like it because it's like, well, what else? I don't know why they didn't show up, but uh, people were very well aware if they did look into it. I mean, almost every review was like, this is different and for better or worse. Some people said this is different. 
boo. Some people said this is different and crazy and I love it. So yeah, yeah. Who's who knows? But I think that the main thing to take away here is it's still a Blumhouse movie. It had a nine million dollar budget, and in two weeks, it's made forty two million. It's quadrupled its budget right. in two weeks. So it may not be the success that that uh, Jason Bloom had hoped for and the studio had hoped for, but it's still making money. It's still a successful movie, uh, and there's still a lot of people out there that really enjoyed it. So it is what it is. Um, number eight, the upside. Jeez, this movie just won't go away. This thing's a beast. I mean, STX right now is like they're they're out there. They're probably knocking on the old closed Weinstein office doors looking yeah. for old scripts that weren't developed because I mean we've talked about they're out there like is R. Kelly making any movies oh, <laughs> I mean, we talked about this before but the upside it's a it's a remake of a French film called The Untouchables that was really uh, well received over there and a lot of people that had found it outside the country I mean people really love this movie uh, it was set to be released like early last year or something but uh, the production company was Weinstein and so when all that stuff broke uh, obviously they did not want to release this movie with that controversy so they shelved it for quite a while for the better part of of the year and then stx swooped in and purchased it for three million dollars and in week seven the movie made 3.5 million dollars <laughs> week seven it's a 36 percent drop you know it's one of those feel-good movies that we just don't see that often anymore like tom said he's like it's not reinventing the wheel but it also it does it really well it's a movie that people enjoy yeah so it has made 100 million dollars domestic alone and going into overseas 10 million so yeah not too much there but 110 million on a three million dollar purchase i'll say it yeah. had a 37 million dollar budget well but you gotta wonder what the foreign appeal on this would be since it's already a movie right in foreign markets that's what i wonder that's yeah. why i think it's only made 10 million you've got and it's probably in france i'm gonna pull up the foreign total but maybe you've got this small group i say small it's still 10 million but right. you've got this select group of people like oh i love this movie I want as much as I can get. Like, let's see how they remade it. And then you have everyone else like, I have my movie. I love my movie. Yeah, because you figure if you're watching it in a... If you have to watch it either dubbed or subtitled, you might as well watch the French one. Right. And so... (laughs) Interestingly enough, I don't even see a French release here. Uh, in the UK, it's made $2 million alone. So UK, $2 million, and then all the other countries combined. But interesting, no French release. Yeah. I don't know if that is a... Um, like purposeful? Purposeful. I don't yeah. know if it won't be or if it's a delayed release. You know, But there seriously may be, like you said, there may just be not enough people to go to the theater for right. it. Uh, maybe they wanted to see how it performed when people see, oh, it's doing well and people love it. So um, only time will tell on that one. But anyway... $3 million purchase from STX turning into $110 million in seven weeks. So that's a win for them, certainly. And I'm glad people are enjoying the movie. I'm glad that it didn't disappear, you know, because from what I understand, it's a good movie. And it's just one of those cases where, you know, there's hundreds of people working on a movie and one guy ruins it for everybody. It's, yeah. it's sad. And, you know, when, when uh, the editor and the sound people and the lighting people, if they never get to see their work shown, it's kind of like with the, all the money in the world, which again, I can't speak highly enough about Ridley Scott for what he did with that movie. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. But, you know, when all that controversy with Kevin Spacey came up, that movie could have totally tanked and disappeared. Right. But he went and he he spent millions of dollars, convinced the studio to let him refilm the Spacey scenes with Christopher Plummer. Movie came out. I mean, it didn't set the world ablaze, but it still made way more than it would have. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the movie, again, the thing I really appreciated was it showed a special message, not just normal credits, but it's like, these are the names or this is how many hundreds of people this movie supported that worked on, you know, because you're here, the theater seeing it. And so I think it was really cool that they did that. So, um, good for them and good for the upside for, for releasing and, uh, making money. 
Number nine, Cold Pursuit. Talk about other people getting in trouble. <laughs> Here's, yeah. Uh, Cold Pursuit, that's that Liam Neeson on a snowplow movie, at least for a little bit of it. $3.1 million is a 48% drop. That brings its domestic total to $26.8 million. Call it $27 million domestic. And uh, overseas, $8 million. So we're up around $35 million on another undisclosed budget. Um it sounds like an interesting concept concept from what Tom said. We talked about it. He reviewed it a couple weeks ago when it came out, you know, a little mini review and said it was kind of a bait and switch on the trailer. Yeah, it's certainly not uh take it on a snowplow, which yeah. is what the trailers would make you think. It's it's definitely more of a a dark comedy and it's more of an ensemble piece in that it follows a lot of different characters, not just him. He he disappears for huge yeah. chunks of the film and uh um, kind of like saying Liam Neeson is in Widows. Like, Liam Neeson is in Widows, but, right. like, he comes and goes. Yeah. And so uh, it it's definitely not the movie that you think it is. Yeah. Steve, you didn't catch that one, did you? I did not. Okay. Are you a fan of the Taken movies? I mean, the first one I thought was, <laughs> was fun. Right. I wasn't really a big fan of the second one. I never saw the third. What do you think of the seventh one? Uh. <laughs> Straight to in-flight only. Yeah. I, you know, I don't even know. I don't think I watched three. You know, I watched the first one and I was on board. Didn't like we everyone. do an episode on three? Did we? I thought maybe we I just did. don't remember. We might have. And it was, was pretty that, forgettable. I, I might yeah. just remember. I just, I, I can't remember a thing about it. Like the first one obviously kicked off all these crazy old man action movies yeah. and, you know, kind of made everyone else like, and I don't mean like the expendables. I mean like the Sean Penn doing his taken movie and, yeah. you know, people going and doing their taken thing um, and definitely set Liam Neeson off on this trajectory. So I enjoyed the first one. The second one, I, I remember it being okay, but I'm like, okay, kind of more of the same kind of ridiculous. The more you get into the same situation over and over again, right. you're like, how many times are you going to get taken? Like, you know, whatever. But um, anyway, so I'm glad at least to hear that it wasn't just another Taken movie, and I'm kind of intrigued to see it. Yeah, it's just you know, with Liam Neeson opening his big mouth, it always gets <laughs> you kind of like, oh, maybe I'll just hold off on that one. And rounding out the top ten uh, is uh, a limited release movie. I don't know this one. It's called Run the Race. It's one of those uh, mega church movies. Oh, uh, it's oh. from Tim Tebow's production company. Ah, okay, yeah, and it's like two. Uh, Twin, I think they're twins, brothers who uh, their mom dies, their dad abandons them. They're gonna football's gonna be their way out, mm. and one gets injured, and it's a whole you know it's it's very inspirational. You will be inspired, damn it! And then they go to Gattaca and they switch their DNA, and one is plays as the other. And huh? Do you remember Gattaca? No, I never saw it. Oh, you never saw Gattaca? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's really interesting. I it, it's a movie that I mean I feel like it's kind of one of those sleeper like uh definitely found a life on home video yeah uh and it's with uh, ethan hawk uma thurman and jude law and it's just about this futuristic world where these people are all like selected for their jobs based on their dna so you you know you're they scan your dna at an early age or whatever and you're going to be a janitor you're going to be a physicist and so people with dreams and aspirations it's like you're set you're not allowed to go outside and so anyway so you have two characters that want different things and they end up coming up with a plan to kind of cheat the system and it's really good movie it's kind of a it's a sci-fi thriller um it's a good movie you should definitely check it out uh but yeah uh, run the race narrowly beat out green book so green book is up for a lot of awards in, including best picture and so around this season uh, i definitely w- was surprised to see it kind of barely lose out to the top 10 but uh this one came in as i think 2.3 million and green book made 2.2 million so uh anyway so a bonus 11th spot to green book 2.1 million this weekend 
27% drop brings that one up to $69.6 million uh, domestic. And so, I mean, that's the Oscars. Well, the Oscars happened, so I don't want to spoil what happened. Yeah, we... So I won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you you know, if you saw them, you know what happened. But uh, definitely uh, Green Book is one to look out for uh, when you watch it. I'm just I'm really glad that Green Book has done as well in the box office as it has. Because I don't know about you, but when I, I saw it, I was probably my favorite movie of 2018. And when I tried to tell my friends, go see Green Book, they had no idea what the Green Book was, like what it was even based on. Mm. Like no one heard of it. I don't know if it's because we weren't taught it in our history classes here or something but i it, hadn't heard of it before the movie and tom explained what it was yeah. you know back on the podcast when we first talked about it and so like i didn't i didn't know yeah and i, I, I only had a, teach it i only had a very vague awareness of what it was and yeah. i didn't know exactly what it was um but yeah it just seems like some it kind of fell by the wayside at least with like a younger audience because we had no idea what it was we never went through it obviously you know and i don't know it just for whatever reason it wasn't really discussed here well, and the the problem, too, is not only with the movie not getting as much recognition or not getting as much publicity, the reason that people may not be turning out to see it is not only because of a lack of awareness of the Green Book and the marketing and all that, but it also it's going through the controversy of being just another white savior movie. Yeah. It's the kind of movie that a lot of people think the Academy loves, the Academy will vote for. It could, a, a disconnected academy could very well make it best picture where all the younger people, younger filmmakers, younger film critics and all that are just like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, and so it's one of those movies that that very well could win. But a lot of the people that aren't 70, 80 year old academy members would be upset with that. You know, it's like the white savior thing. It's a very touchy subject. Like, you know, the way the movie is marketed. We've seen that before. You've got Mahershala Ali, who's a great actor. And he's really good in the movie, but then they kind of spin it. They kind of market it as, oh, well, Vigo's there to save the day, you know? And Hollywood has made movies about race for a long time. Here's this white character that learns a valuable lesson and somehow saves the day. And it was like, it was the entry point for white audiences because, right. you know, from a commercial standpoint, they, you know, they couldn't be too radical. You know what I mean? And there's actually, there was a really good uh, uh, Seth Meyers parody yeah. i don't know if you saw it or not mm-hmm, sure. about white savior movies which was really funny and pretty spot on but uh you know and so there's a lot of movies that um at the time were groundbreaking from a race standpoint but now you look back and they can be kind of cringeworthy cringeworthy and i think that's why it's also important to keep movies in a historical context you go back and watch something like uh, guess who's coming to dinner the Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn movie where their daughter comes home engaged to Sidney Portier and they, they don't know how to process that. Oh, not the Ashton Kutcher, Bernie Mac. No, which was, that was... Uh, All right, a remake. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was like a remake yeah, yeah. of sorts, but they flipped it, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a good movie, not the Ashton Kutcher yeah, yeah, one, yeah. just to be clear. With a modern sensibility, you watch it and you're like, oh, this is a bit much, but to make a movie like that... Sure. In that time frame, that was an edgy movie, and so you... you You've got to give them credit because that movie came out and I think in like 68 or 69. Mm. But the fact that Hollywood basically keeps making those movies right. and and not moving the ball forward, like well, that's where it becomes problematic. The, the other thing, too, is, I mean, if this is the way the story really happened, I don't I mean, you can't you don't want to change the history. Like if if Vio Mortensen's character really did do all this stuff the way he says he did you're not going to write him out of history because that's what he did. But right. the problem people are having with it is this is based on a book by Vigo Morton's character side that the, the Mahershala Ali char- 
character's family is disputing that it went down that way. I, I think another mistake the movie made was calling it was it shouldn't have been called Green Book because the the Green Book for people that don't know uh, it was a book that that black people would use to know when they were traveling especially in the south where it was safe for them to go mm-hmm. whether it be a hotel or a restaurant or just you know or what towns they had to be out of by sundown like that I mean that was a very real thing it was very dangerous to travel and that was how they navigated the world with this book telling them not which places weren't racist but which places were least racist right and and so um I think a movie about the green book would be fascinating and so when you call this movie the green book and honestly within the context of the movie they hardly it's not about the green book. they hardly ever they even use it. the book they show it and yeah. That, that's, yeah and so i i really think it's an awful name for this movie because it i think it i think they set themselves up for failure because i think a lot of black people that know the history of the green book were like oh this could be an interesting story and then they didn't get that story at all um, if you want, I'm not sure. I'm checking right now, so I don't know if at the time of this recording it still will be available, but um, the Smithsonian Channel has a documentary being released in theaters about the Green Book, and you actually can own it on digital for free. It's like a $10 documentary to yeah. own, and right now it's free, uh, but it's called Green Book, A Guide to Freedom, Smithsonian Channel. Uh, it says online right now you can watch it on their website, but I actually bought it on Google Play to own for free. Um, so go watch that if you yeah, want to document. I think it's on Voodoo for free as it well. It was on Voodoo and yeah. and Google Play. So um, maybe go check that out, and that it's a documentary. So if you want to learn about the Green Book, go watch the documentary, but this movie is really not about the Green Book. I think Vigo Vigo Mortensen's character is kind of serving as the Green Book for this musician. You know, it's like the Green Book says what places are safe to go, where to be, and Vigo Mortensen walks around and makes it safe for Mahershala Ali's character. So right. that's really the only connection. You're not learning really about the Green Book. So I agree with you. On the flip side, not to hate on this movie, or I know Steve really enjoyed it, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm not a hater of Green Book. Like, a lot of people online hate this movie. I think it's really, um, it was a really funny movie, a really heartfelt movie. There was a lot more humor than I anticipated. Way funnier than I expected, and I think the acting, I mean, Viggo Mortensen doing Viggo Mortensen stuff, like, he's a great actor. He's kind of he's kind of doing a Mario stereotype. I mean, yeah. it, it is a stereotype character. I still liked him, though, because I think he's a great actor. But Mahershala Ali is excellent in this film, oh, yeah. as he always is. Yeah, um, I enjoyed the movie, yeah. but I also recognized that, like, it maybe wasn't the best way to tell that story. Right. So, yeah, I'm trying to understand it from yeah. another perspective, but I personally enjoyed it, and I, I think it's a good movie. Um, should it be best picture? No. So I don't think. Yeah. So, anyway, but that's that's Green Book, so at least it is making money, like Steve said. I mean, uh, you know, it's making uh, worldwide right now. It has $74 million overseas, so it's up over $150 million worldwide on a $23 million budget. So that's more successful than I even thought. And maybe I guess the Oscar nom gave it an extra push. Yeah, and I think it has had good word of mouth. I think yeah. a lot of people have really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah, go check it out. But that is the box office. Well, thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. So uh, I guess that's it for this one. Uh, I guess we'll go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. My name is Steve Kelly. You can find my writing on RVSTL. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook at the Godcavs. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Cube. At Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. And don't forget, you can uh, find the show online at on Twitter at 
Real Spoilers or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. And uh, don't forget to stop on by Apple Podcasts, leave a review, even if it's a short one. And oh, Thanks uh, for taking my... Oh, no problem. It was a good idea. My suggestion was a stroke, It was a stroke of genius. And, uh, of course... Don't forget our Patreon account at patreon.com slash real spoiler. So that's it for this one. Coming up the next one, we will tackle how to train your dragon, whatever its subtitle is, with a very special guest, J.D. Duran from the In Session Film Podcast. So until then, you've been warned. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.